Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hi, everybody. I'm Cassidy, one of your Indianapolis Colts cheerleaders, and you're watching the Believe in Colts podcast. Welcome back to Believe in Colts. I'm Lawrence Owen. With me, as usual, is my co-host, Donald Thomas. And today we're going to go over all the games. Well, maybe not all the games of week seven, but some of the ones that really interest us and, and what we want to discuss about. Uh, Donald, your overall thoughts of the games that happened this past week, what, what was your uh, general take out of that? Well, hopefully no one listened to me in my picks because they were completely obliterated with my picks this week. This is This is why the NFL is so... So unpredictable. Um, teams that should win didn't win uh, clearly this weekend. Um, and I was very, very, very surprised at a lot of the outcomes of these games. And I was I was way off. I was riding a high from week one when I, I missed like only like one game to to this one. I missed a ton of games. But, um, you know, it's going to happen in football. You never know what you're going to get. It's a very, very physical game. Guys get taken out. Um, some teams show up to play and jump on other teams. And it's too late to respond. And so I was really impressed by some of these teams that still show some life. Um, and some of these teams that should have been dominant were not. And so uh, that's just the way the NFL goes. And the good teams win games. And and, and the, the teams that don't know how to win showed on Sunday when they're front runners, they really got to remain, stay focused. Um, you know, and so we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get into it. But it's hard to win in the NFL. It's very I mean, to be hard. fair, Don. Look, I think a lot of people got a lot of games wrong. I mean, there was a lot of upsets this past week. A yeah. lot, right? Yeah. Uh, I did have a few upsets picked for this past week that won, like Giants, you know, and, and teams yep. of that nature. You did say but that, yeah. I did miss a few, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I did not expect the Patriots to beat the Bills, but at the same time, that's a divisional game. Right. And mm-hmm. division, we've talked about this before. Divisional games can go either way because teams know each other so well. Uh, before we get into uh, actually breaking down all the games, I just got to remind everybody that Bet Online is still your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, NFL, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember, use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. So the first game I want to discuss far and away is the game that just happened last night, right? Monday night football. San Francisco coming off a loss the week before. Everyone expected that they were just going to go off, right, on on Minnesota. And Minnesota came in with a game plan. And they look like the sharper team last night all the way around. There's a lot of discussions about Brock Purdy. Uh, I know that, you know, you you have uh, some, some thoughts about uh, Brock and you have some thoughts about you know, how the offensive line for San Francisco performed as well. So I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor uh, to start the initial discussion about the San Francisco-Minnesota game. Yeah, I mean, Lawrence, to piggyback off of what you said, you know, um, I think a lot of people had that same opinion that, you know, San Fran coming off of the loss, first one of the season, 
you know, they're five and oh, and they're five and one, and it doesn't sit well with them, yada, 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 the list goes on and on. Um, they're going to come out here and take, take care of business. And that was not the case from the beginning. I've been saying from the jump that Kirk Cousins is not a bad quarterback, right? He's a seasoned veteran guy. Um, he knows how to play. You know, the, the team overall is a middle of the road team. We get that. And, um, you know, Kirk Cousins isn't a, a top 10 quarterback, right? But he's up there in the top half of the league and he's got a ton of years under his belt. So you got to give him credit for that. And there's a reason why he's still starting quarterback. So he's going to be on his A game when he knows that it's, it's a big time game that this team can't afford to lose. You know, they were two and four, you know, they're coming into this thing. They still had life. You know, they're still not dead in the division. They're never done that division, right? I mean, that division's got awful um, besides, you know, Detroit, who's front runner. But, um, you know, there were just some things that I saw. Like I said, when your best player uh, on the field is out, it hurts your team. And a lot of people are like, well, who are you talking about? Are you talking about Debo? You know, I'm not talking about Debo. Are you talking about McCaffrey coming back from the injury, missing the week prior? I'm not talking about McCaffrey. I'm talking about Trent Williams. Trent Williams is the heart of that, that offense. He is the tone setter. He is the he's the bully. He's the big brother that everyone looks to, and they know that he's on the field. Everything's going to be okay. And they can lean on him from coaching standpoint and the players to know that we can run the ball effectively to his side. Uh, you know, quarterback's going to be protected, all the above. And those things matter, right? When I said Miles Garrett is a game changer. One guy on the, on the whole team, he elevates that team. He boosts that, that defense to be a top three defense. Well, when Trent Williams is on the field, you see that they are a very effective offense. And so when he got hurt last last week, um, I said this is not going to be good for the 49ers. And it showed last night. 49ers try to be who they usually are, being bullies, tough guys up front, running the ball downhill. And Minnesota just was like, we got a better game plan for you. We know that you're not that guy without, without your big brother there. It's all smoke and mirrors. And so it showed, man, and it really showed uh, – with the way that Brock Purdy had to make decisions. He was under duress a lot the whole the whole game. They did a great game plan of making sure they they didn't let him be comfortable. They heated him up when the time was right. Um and Brock Purdy kind of, you know, folded. He never showed up to where he's running around making his highlight throws across his body, all the above. You know, McCaffrey, they held McCaffrey to really only having that one big touchdown run. He was really ineffective all game. Um, you know, Kittle's you know, he he didn't he didn't win the battle with against him and uh, Hawkinson, right? The other big time uh, tight end on the other side of the ball. You know, he he they tried to get him in the game plan. He's hobbled a little bit. His knee was hurting him. Um, and so all those things just transpired to where, you know, their defense was just they were on the field a lot last night and it wore him down to, towards the end. San Fran's defense wore down. You know, Warner looked good, but the rest of the defense was kind of struggling. Um, and so. You know, the list can go on and on and, and it kind of just summed up the rest of the weekend, right? That these teams are getting upset. Everyone's not going to go perfect 17-0 season, but, you know, you really have to look at the way that Minnesota played and you got to, you know, you know, uh, give them credit that they outplayed San Francisco last night. Oh, absolutely outplayed them. I mean, we've already talked about, you know, their defensive game plan. I was incredibly surprised by their offensive game, game plan by Minnesota. Right. Uh, the fact that, you know, they know what kind of front seven the San Francisco team has is very aggressive. Um, and they took advantage of that. Right. Uh, they felt like they could beat them or at least hold them off long enough to get plays down the field. And boy, did that work. 
Occasionally they get pressure, but somehow you talked about it. You know, Kirk Cousins is one of those wily veteran quarterbacks able to escape, move around in the pocket, find guys downfield. He's not someone that's going to take off and burn you like a Lamar Jackson or or Jalen Hurts, but he's going to move around in the pocket and stuff like like a now I'm not saying he's Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, but you know, he's that pocket quarterback style guy. And he did absolutely that. 35 of 45, nearly 400 yards passing. And let's talk about with Justin Jefferson out, Jordan yes. Addison came to play. Oh, wow. I mean, he lost one matchup against the cornerback Ward. Uh, I think it was in the first quarter where there was, you know, that 50-50, both guys got the ball, hand on the ball, Ward rips it out and gets the interception. But later on in the game, Addison, he got he got the better of it when both of them got their hands on the ball. He ripped it out of Ward's hand, turned it upfield, and went like 60 yards for a touchdown. And to me, that was that was the game all wrapped up into a ball. Minnesota looked like they wanted this game more than San Francisco did, right? They went out there and they took it. They took their shots downfield. They held on to the ball. They ran the ball when they needed to, and they were aggressive on defense, right? Well, you discussing this as well. You know that Trent Williams is out. You know they're going to rely a lot on Christian McCaffrey. A lot, of, a lot of their plays are, you know, yak yards plays. They were trying to get in the backfield to disrupt those yak yard plays as much as possible. Now a couple times at Burnham, but a lot of times they were able to make some really good plays in the backfield and uh stop this this offense now let's get into the quarterback for brock purdy uh i know there's a lot of talk right now uh going around the nfl and and media and stuff on is purdy that guy you know is it was he shown up this he had two interceptions this game right but i'm honestly i was actually impressed for the most part by brock purdy in this game i thought he performed fairly well now both his interceptions bad passes i'm not i'm not going to say otherwise they were terrible one of them he missed his guy like five yards away right to the defender right i mean it was just a bad bad throw um but at the same time he was showing some accuracy and stuff the only issue is we didn't see a lot of downfield stuff as much as we were what we normally see from him you know, the screen plays and the short, quick passes to Kittle or Ayuk or something like that. And that's, I think that's what's bringing up a lot of questions. Can he be that pocket down the field thrower that they really, really need? Yeah. You know, so this is kind of why I've struggled with making the transition to the media side, because, you know, I'm in the gym this morning and I look over at the TV and they're saying the headline is, you know, is Brock Purdy the guy? Have they lost confidence in Brock Purdy? Yada, 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 right? And so you have to look at it from a whole standpoint. Brock Purdy's missing one of the most electric players in the league, and Debo Samuel is not on the mm-hmm. field. So that creates that they're going to have to pick and choose who is going to be the next guy who they're going to bottle up. And it's Christian McCaffrey. You can kind of control Kittle. Um, you know, it's tough ass to put a linebacker on them at sometimes because sometimes linebackers can't hang with them. Um, but when you put a safety on over top and you have the right game plan for it, you can kind of control Kittle as well. Now, when you look at it from that point, you've taken out 
two weapons now, right? You took away McCaffrey and Debo standing on the sideline in a hoodie. So therefore now he doesn't have the weapons that he had before, right? He doesn't have the confidence. He doesn't have his big left tackle, the best in football to block for him. So there's three factors that are factoring in right now to before we even snap the football. We haven't even snapped the football yet. We haven't even we haven't even kicked the ball off. And the Vikings have a great game plan for this San Francisco offense. Do we lose faith in McCaffrey? I mean, uh in 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 um in Purdy? No. Like here's the deal. He's a young kid. He came in, he had great success. He's gonna have bumps in the road, you're gonna get bruises, you're gonna fall off a little bit, and you gotta learn from it. Now, if we, do we lose faith in, in Purdy going forward? If he continues to show that he hasn't had the, the the when all his weapons are on the field, right, and the full offense is back out there, and you give him everything that he's had from the jump, and he doesn't perform, now we can start talking about that. But there's so many things that go into his play last night, and it's hard, man. You got a young kid. This is a big moment. This is a big time game. They're down. They haven't been used to trailing. I think they trail for 44 minutes. They haven't done that all season. Trail for that long in any game. And then you're asking him to make, you know, big time drives. And he's got a lot going on in his head. He can't make a mistake. He tried to lead his receiver too much. He throws a pick. The second one was the same deal. It was a bad, it was a bad ball, you know, pick. And that was the biggest crunch time decision, right? And it's like you don't you, – yes, you're disappointed. You saw Shanahan. He was disappointed all the above. You know, like you're going to be upset about those things, but you got to understand. All right, the season's definitely not over. We took our loss. We took our loss like a man. We're going to learn from it. Purdy's our guy. He's still going to be our guy. We're going to ride this thing out. He's shown that he can play football in the league. We got to get guys healthy. We get guys healthy. We'll be okay. Oh, do we lose faith in Purdy? No. Look at every great quarterback. Every great quarterback has had games like this. Every great quarterback has thrown a pick to lose a football game. It is not the end of the world. So I think still think Purdy's a good quarterback. Well, I say great, no, but he's a good quarterback. He's got to prove more, got to put some more things that you know um, under his resume. But do we lose faith in him? Absolutely not. He was asking, he was put in a tough situation. Now you're getting paid the big bucks. I get it. I understand. You got to make decisions. We all want to win football games. The guy's human too. So he's going to make mistakes. He's a young kid. He's going to learn from him. He's going to be okay. Absolutely. We're going to move on to, oh, my goodness, talk about upsets of the, the – I, I haven't seen this many ups. One in five teams win a game mm-hmm. in one week in my entire life. Bears beat the Raiders. What? The Patriots beat Buffalo. What? The Giants, who's not been looking good all year, beat the Commanders. What? The Broncos beat Green Bay. What? I mean, these you, you had four one-in-five teams go out there and win games. Now, I've had two of those upsets in the Broncos and the Giants, but, you know, I can't pick I can't pick every upset of the year. I'll guarantee that. That's, a, that's an impossible ask. Um, what was, of those four games, of those four big one-in-five upset teams, which one shocked you the most? You know, honestly – the one that shocked me most is the Bears Raiders game. Um, that was just one where, you know, I just kind of, I've kind of, I've really counted out Chicago. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, like, when you look at it, um, they just haven't been, you know, consistent at all all year. And so I really thought that, you know, this thing was in disarray. You know, Justin Fields is out. Um, and it kind of was the battle of the backups for both teams. Right. You had 
Aiden O'Connell and Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer is a seasoned guy. I played with Brian. And on for the Bears, you got, you know, Tyson Bag- Badgett and Nathan Peterman. Like, Peterman's still around the league. Like, and we beat a team that, um, you know, is quite far the better team, in my opinion. You know, but it just goes to show that, you know, the NFL is one that you just can't really – the, the worst teams to play are the wounded dogs, like the ones that just are just back in the corner. They've been hit by a car and you're trying to help them out, extend the hand and they bite you because they're just like they're they have zero to lose. They don't want to be. And so like these teams, you have to look at them like that, like they're dangerous. They're still they still got NFL guys on them like they still if they decide to wake up and play and put something together, you might be in for a long day. Right. You might be in for a fight that you weren't ready for. And so I was really surprised by. Um, the Bears and the way that they really just manhandled uh, the Raiders. The Raiders have a ton of issues, though. You know, I, I feel bad for, um, you know, I don't feel bad, but I'm just shocked at the way that it's kind of falling apart for them. In a sense, like the last couple of weeks, they've really looked bad. Um, and the season's not over with. They can really kind of right the ship. But right now, I was just really surprised by the way they just didn't come out and take care of the Bears like they should have, especially without their, without their uh, starting quarterback. And I know you don't have yours. But, you know, granted, um, it's just bad in Chicago. So, like, you should look at this as, like, okay, we get up on them, we got to take care of business. Yeah, I think the Raiders might be the team that's had the most duress, I would say, over the last three years. I mean, starting off with, you know, when Ruggs, you know, that whole incident with Ruggs happened, and then, you know, you did, last year you go through and get all new coaching staffs and new you know, you go after a new quarterback this this past season. Uh, and then, you know, the Chandler Jones thing that's going on, you know, and just so much going on over the last three seasons. I know I'm missing a bunch right now. Raiders fans probably jumping all over me about, well, what about this? this well, because there's that, that much duress that they went through, you know. So I kind of get why the Bears could have won this game even though they're going through their duress as well but it's not as thick as what you know the Raiders have but this isn't a divisional game right and and when I'm going over you know like the Patriots Bills now it's unquestionable mm-hmm. the Bills have a better roster without any question right, right. And, yeah. and but the thing is it's a divisional game right and in individual games we've talked about this a, a million times Divisional games, things can happen. Teams know each other. They can, you know, uh, write some things that they normally don't get right because they know the how, you know, they know the personnel and the tendencies of the team that they're playing. So that game is shocking to me. The 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 Bills and Patriots just because I figured the Bills should win that game, uh, but it was in Foxborough. And, you know, they still have Bill Belichick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, all bets are off in a divisional game. I don't care what division it is. All bets are off. Um, you know, bet with caution, right? Uh, because anything can happen in these divisional games. They're going to play each other hard. And honestly, teams can be terrible. And all you need to do is win your division. Right? Like, you can be a bad team and you mess around in your four and two in your division. And, you know, like here you are squeaking in the playoffs and you lost everybody else. Right. So there's ways, there's reasons why they're so 
critical and crucial. And if anyone's going to have someone understand the severity of a situation, it's going to be Bill Belichick. Like Bill is going to have you understand how important this game is because it is very important. And he understands like all we need to really do is we can win this division. Like he's looking at it from a lens of Bill Belichick lenses where he's like, listen, Buffalo ain't who the Buffalo is supposed to. They, they've been sliding, right? They got a ton of issues. We can figure a way to beat the Jets twice, right? We can split with Buffalo. And then we just got to get Miami once, maybe hopefully, even if Miami beats us twice, right? We still have some life because if we can get these two wins and sweep the Jets and, and beat Buffalo at least once, we might have some hope. So there's still a way to win this thing. And he's really a coach that he he helps his players understand exactly what the uh, what the severity of the moment is, and he has them ready to go. And so he's going to find ways to put his players in the best positions, right? And so, like today is a big day of planning for for him for next week, and just be no, just knowing that from being in that building for a couple of years, um, you know, we you go you go in, and there's things that you do completely different in a game plan because they he sees them working, right? And so he's the only coach that I've been around where he will put in completely new plays that we've never ran before just for one week of practice, just for one game, because he knows that these plays will work. So with all that being said, I know they had a good game plan cooked up. I knew that he was going to find some um, deficiencies in the bills, offense and defense. And he found it and they squeaked out a win and, and they, and they, and they scored 29 points too, right? This is a team that mm-hmm. has been very, very, very slow offensively all year um, for them to put up 29 points is kind of it's going to be a big morale boost for this team as well. So, you know, I'm not going to say the Patriots are about to start, you know, making a run here for it, but I think they're going to be a more competitive team moving forward. So, ever since they lost Matt Milano, they lost to Jacksonville. They barely, barely squeaked by the Giants, and then now they've lost the Patriots. Uh, is that a big? How big of an effect is losing a linebacker like Matt Milano on your defense right now? So, you know, yesterday we we did our other show, right? We talked about the Colts and how someone's got to be a, a tone setter. Um, somebody's got to be the leader out there, whether it's an offense or defense. Somebody's got to be the guy. Mm-hmm. Milano is the heart of their defense. He's the motor for that. And quite frankly, he might be the motor for that whole team. Um, and when you lose a guy that's so influential in the locker room, so influential on the field, practice field, game field, and whether guys say it or not, you look for him to get the whole team going. It shows. As soon as he went off the field, the Bills turn into a completely different football team. And it's really kind of hurt them defensively because now they're their main guy making all the calls on defense, their main guy that they're looking for to make a play, their main guy for just making plays on his own and making unbelievable plays to save them, to keep them around in games, <sighs> gone. And so it's really hurting them. Um, and then on offense, they have their issues, right? I mean, Diggs is is a head case, um, you know, and so it's sad to see because I used to hate when you get around uh, players like that that are turning – they get kind of selfish and they kind of turn into me guys and they want the ball and they start doing these antics and stuff and they kind of forget who they really are because the money blinds them. And we can have a whole episode on that because that really pisses me off. But, you know, just remain humble, remain yourself, remain a team player. It's so early in the season for you to cause distractions doesn't make your team better. It actually makes it worse. So who's going to check him? Somebody's got to check him, too, and calm him down and sit him down because it's a cancer. And it spreads like wildfire in locker rooms because we're 
close knit. We're tight with each other every day. We spend hours upon hours upon hours all week together. Um, and a guy that's supposed to be the one of the leaders on the team, he's throwing temper tantrums. Well, as soon as he threw his helmet, I was like, there it is. Here it goes. And watch. And look what happens. Now they're on this little slide. Everyone's calling them the pretenders now. Um, and so it's really hurting this football team to where they could be still be a good football team, and they're just not going to be it until someone else becomes a leader. Yep. All right, I want to move on. There's two games. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on them, uh, being that we're already th about 30 minutes in. But two games that did not involve one in five teams that I know that we want to discuss. One is for me that I want to discuss. One is for you. Let's let's go ahead and go with yours real quick. I know you talked about you wanted to discuss the Eagles uh, really just kind of dominating the uh, the Miami Dolphins, 31-17. What was your take on this game? Well, you know, a couple weeks ago I, I, in my head, I said this is a Super Bowl matchup, right? You know what I'm saying? The way the Dolphins were playing and the way that the Eagles have been playing and then I kind of took it away because the Eagles really didn't show me anything a couple for the past couple of weeks as far as like them really being dominant. They're just they're coming to, they they fight in games, but they don't necessarily like are showing that they're this dominant team. And San Francisco was showing that they were the more dominant team. And you know, the past couple of weeks, you know, there's been a freaking paradigm shift in the whole NFL to where I don't know who the front runner is on NFC wise. Then I really don't know who the front runner is AFC wise because I'm not all the way sold on um, just because Philly did beat uh, the, the the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins are more dangerous now because this is their really first test of playing the top dog, right? And so um, you have to remember, like, you have to take everything into account. The coaching staff, you know, Tua, you know, um, Tyreek Hill, you know, they lost their running back. What I'm saying is this, is – that the Dolphins became a better team by losing to the Eagles. Listen to me. They will become, they are going to be scary to play from here on out. I promise you that. The Dolphins are going to be a scary football team. And now I'm really saying clearly that the Dolphins back in the AFC from taking this loss are going to be the top dogs in the AFC and are going to be make a, a very, very, very good Super Bowl run because of it. Real quick story, and I'll leave it at this. I know we don't have, we're running a lot of time. I was playing in New England in 2011. We played the, the, uh, the, the, not the Steelers late in the season. Freaking freezing cold. We're, we're in Pittsburgh, and we end up losing the game, right? And so we're on the buses, and we're headed back to the, to the airport. And I'm sitting there with Brian Waters. And if anyone follows football, you know, Brian Waters is going to be a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame guard, played like 14 years. And I'm pissed off. I'm mad. I'm sitting on the bus. I'm like, damn, man, can't lost. Boom, boom. You know, I'm cussing and stuff like that. And I'm mad. And he was like, hey, man, he's like, calm down. I'm like, and we just lost. Like, you know what I'm saying? He was like, listen, every team that makes a Super Bowl run is a good team. You need about two, two to three, no more than four losses on the season. You need to get your ass kicked a little bit. Because now you learn what it feels like. You know where your deficiencies are. You know how to overcome them. And you know what you need to do now. And you know how you need to come out the locker room and not mess around with these other, these other teams. Messed up with me. And I really look at it when you see teams, you don't want a 16-1 uh, a, a, a team. You don't want a 15-2 team. You want a 14-3 team, right? The 13-4 team. Those are the dangerous teams. As you look at their losses, and you're like, they shouldn't have lost that game. They shouldn't have lost that game. And now look how they respond to it. Now, I say all this, but it all kind of depends on how these guys respond. I'm telling you this. They have enough weapons on offense and defense that 
that Miami team to learn from this game, know how to play, and that's hell to pay if they play the the, uh, the Eagles again. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. Well, I will say that in a league where speed kills, and Miami is you know proof of that so far this year, the trenches still run the game, mm-hmm. you know. And and the Eagles in this game is, you know, that's a, a prime example of that, right? I mean, you, you get pressure on a quarterback and you slow down speed because if the quarterback uh, has to be moving around a lot, he's not able to be throwing down the field. So that that is a that is a problem um, to a, you know, 22 of 32, 216 and a pick, right? Um, now, Tyreek. Still leading receiver, 11 targets, but he only had 88 yards. You know, I mean, I, I say only, but still, you know, that tells you right there, 11 targets, 88 yards. Normally you see when you, if Tyreek Hill has 11 targets or 11 receptions, holy crap, that dude's probably got 200 yards receiving, right? right. Yeah. So yeah. that tells you that the defensive line got there quick. They had to get rid of the ball early. And Tyreek wasn't able to use his speed to stretch that field. So now I do agree with you that this is a game that Miami can absolutely learn from, but they need to be more physical up front in the trenches to be able to learn from that. They got to win in the trenches, no matter what. That's, that's the way I feel. Yeah, no, you're, I mean, you're spot on. I mean, when you look at Philly's front, front, front four, I know Jalen Carter. People were talking crazy about him last year, and he only showed flashes. And people were showing clips, and I remember watching clips of him. These lazy plays that he had. Somebody got in his ear, whether it was coaching staff or somebody that's that works close with him, his agent. Somebody got in his ear and told him, "Hey, man, listen, you better turn it up because we know you can play better than this. And if you don't, you're gonna be a bust." And this year, he's been a freaking man child. You know, so you got Fletcher Cox, you got um. um uh, Graham, yeah, I mean, yep. you got, you got, you got, you that that's a dangerous offensive, a defensive line. I put them up there, top three oh, defensive right. lines in the league. Yeah, I mean, so right there, when you look at it from a standpoint of winning up front, oh yeah, Dolphins have their hands full. Now moving forward, you learn how to control that, right? You better mm-hmm. figure it out. You better figure out passing wise, the passing game, quick passes, getting Tyreek Hill moving them more, moving them around. I think that Miami has a, a smart enough coach staff to figure that out because Tyreek Hill is very dynamic. I mean, I don't know what you do, but you'll figure it out. That's why I'm not a coordinator, right? Because I don't know how to figure it out. But I do know that, you know, moving a couple pieces around, as long as guys stay healthy, Dolphins will, yeah. will, will prevail in that one. Run more quick slants, maybe a few wide receiver screens, some jet yeah. sweeps, things of that nature to try to take this, you know, uh, aggressive, really good defensive front and use that against them a little bit. That's that's really the best thing I can think of. Now, I'm not an offensive coordinator, like you said, you know, but, you know, from a, a, a guy who has really studied a lot of football uh, ever since he was really, really young, you and I both, you know, mm-hmm. those are those are things that can help in, in situations like that. Um, I want to get into the game that I wanted to discuss, and it was a game that is, I'm sure, shocked a lot of people. Look, we expected – somewhat of a game between the Ravens and the Lions, right? I mean, the Lions have been playing on top of the world all year so far, you know, and then the Ravens get healthy, get like half their guys back. 
and all of a sudden Lamar Jackson is able to throw from the pocket and be and, and be patient in the in the passing game and accurate. What? I mean, yeah. just like that, it's a thirty-eight to six victory, and they're just embarrassed. And not only that, Aiden Hutchinson, the defensive guy who's been just phenomenal the last two seasons, was completely taken out of this game. He had one pressure the whole game. Yeah. Um. So this game was equivalent to Pac-10 beating up on this is this is this is Oregon, right? Running, running it up on the West Coast, scoring 45 points a game, beating everybody. And then when it's time to go to the bowl, you go and play SEC school and get absolutely demolished. That's what this game was reminding me of. It's like riding higher. You look great. All right, let's go play somebody. Right. Let's go play somebody that knows how to play. It's got their guys. It's just smash mouth football. And um, and so. Baltimore got some guys back. They got healthy. Lamar has really been. You know, I I said it all year, so I don't I'm not gonna backtrack on my words. I said it's a one-trick pony offense. Well, it wasn't one-trick pony offense on Sunday. Nope. They had guys back. So now Lamar could be, you know, a dual threat quarterback to where he can run the ball if he has to, mm-hmm. he can throw the ball like he's supposed to, right? Yeah. And so um they came out, man, and they show who who the big dogs were. And this is gonna be the hard part for Detroit is understanding that you have to have your a game constantly all the time. And you can't look at, from my standpoint, you're looking at it from, Oh, well, from a place standpoint, like man, Baltimore, man, they've been squeaking by getting wins and blah, blah. No, they got a guy that won the MVP a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They got guys over there that can play football. They have a coach that knows how to coach. Like, don't forget that. And then it comes down to the coaches, right? Like you got hardball, right. Who's seasoned, right and all the above, and then you kind of got not the young pup, right, but a guy that doesn't hasn't been in these situations yet where he knows how to keep his team going, and that's the hard part that Dan Campbell's going to have is get, keeping his team focused for 17, 18 weeks of football when you had a hot start. It's very hard for guys that are not used to that kind of success because you're in that city, you're hearing everyone's patting you on your back, you're the heroes of Michigan, blah, 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 the list goes on and on. And Detroit fans have been grueling for another for a season like this. They've been waiting for it, salivating, and they're putting these guys riding them high. I, I guarantee you there's six or seven uh, special sandwiches named after some of these guys down in downtown Detroit right now just to get people to come eat at their shops. So, like, this is a different story. And so these guys have to block out all the noise and focus on football. I'm still going to say Detroit's going to win football games, but if they can't block the noise out, and, and think that people that they that they have arrived, that they have a long season ahead of them. I think this is a game um, where you, as uh, when you're a head coach, if I'm Dan Campbell, I don't even go over the tape. I immediately look forward to the next week because you have a prime time hosting Monday Night Football next week against the Raiders. This is a prime opportunity to get your guys back on track in the spotlight right so Mm -hmm. focus all your energy on beating the next team don't worry about what you did wrong with the rate with the ravens is is how i would approach this um moving on uh this week now again i'm not a head coach in the nfl that's just how i would go for it because you know you got a prime opportunity to really get your your guys uh, spirits back up, uh, get, get, get everything going so that you can, cause you're, you're closing in on the midpoint 
of the NFL season right now. And you really need to be playing your best ball starting now. Yeah, correct. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a juiced up game. Um, you know, Dan Campbell's going to have to do a great job of keeping those guys focused because Raiders just came off of a, a off of a win. And, you know, so like, well, no, they lost, right? So many games. Uh, yes. Yeah. But yeah, they just lost to the Bears. So, you know, you can't overlook them. And this isn't a, a team that's able to overlook guys or teams because you got to come out and play every week. But like I said, you know, you got to play every week and show up. And so these guys still think that they're riding on their high horse. Raiders could be dangerous for them to where it might be a, a, a dogfight they're not ready for. So, but I think, you know, Dan Campbell's played in the league and he gets that. Mm-hmm. He knows that. He's not a he's not a coach who's never played and just been around and just, just, just talks, right? And you don't know what it feels like to be actually strapping up and be – you know, uh, uh, in a game like that, so he'll 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 have those guys. He'll they'll understand the severity of this week. I guarantee you. You know, Wednesday, Thursday will be very high focus days. There'll be longer team meetings than usual. You, you know, the, the the usual list goes on and on about getting your guys ready to play. It'll be no nonsense at practice. Um, he'll have his guys ready. He'll. The, I'm not worried about the Detroit Lions from that aspect. I'm just worried about them for the whole picture or well, not just one single game, but for the rest of the season, yep. keeping those guys focused. Cause you know, there's a ton of stuff to do in Detroit. There's a lot of distractions. I say that jokingly. I was there for a year and it was probably the worst year of football I ever experienced. <laughs> we won't even get into that. Uh, at least Detroit has something. Uh, Detroit citizens have, have something to cheer for right now. Right. Because no. I mean, uh, apart from that game that they just played this past Sunday, uh, Detroit's look really, really good this year. So, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Believe in Colts covering uh, the Week 7 review of the 2023 NFL season. I'm Lawrence Owen. That's Donald Thomas. This was Believe in Colts brought to you by Bet Online. And as usual, have a good one. Peace. Do you believe? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.